Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. We want to welcome our podcasters. Welcome you. We love you. We thank you for listening. Um, Our podcasts go all around the world. So there you go. Is that okay, Benny? You've done a good job? Thanks, bro. All right. (laughs) Got the nod. This morning we're speaking about singlehood and marriage. Flourishing in your season. Now, I've been single and I've been married. I never... I am married. I I am married. I am married. Yes, it's true. This is true. (laughs) I've done singlehood for many years. I was single to the age of 30, the big three zero. I had a couple of times of dating in there, but never really worked out for me too well. And then God brought along the right girl for me, and it worked out really well. and then we've been married and, and we're coming up to five years. So I, I don't actually, I, I, the thing is about marriage is this, is that when you're married, it's actually, you can be married for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, but that isn't necessarily, there's definitely a badge of honour in that. But it's more, are you healthily married? <laughs> are, you, are you happily married? Because you can stick to something for years and think that that's good enough, but the blessing isn't just in that. It's also in the fact that God wants you to flourish in your marriage. All right, but we'll get to marriage in a second. Uh, We'll start with singlehood. I can speak very confidently about singlehood. I've been through that season. majority of my life was that season. And so I want to encourage us, and if you're single here today, now how do I define singleness, singlehoodness? If you're not currently married, in God's eyes, you're still single. Yeah? It's not until you seal the deal. It's not until you sign the paper. It's not until you become one physically, in God's eyes, that you actually become one in the flesh. So this is to you. Let me start with this. Often we are unsatisfied with our current season and constantly wanting to be in another. Singles are tired of being alone and married people just want to have some time to themselves. singles buy body pillows and married people want their partner to stay on their side of the bed. You know what a body pillow is? The one where you have the arm around you and it's a pillow that's also an arm. Anyone guilty of that? Yeah, okay. Yep, there you go. Young people want to grow up gaining independence and older people want to be young again. If we need work, we pray desperately, and when we have work, we pray for a holiday. The thing is, we must learn to flourish where we are planted and enjoy the season we are in. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, there is a season for everything. When it comes to being single, it's a season. It's actually a really cool season. It's a season that you can focus literally on your relationship with God without worrying about feeding the mouth of somebody else. It's a season where you can focus on looking after yourself before you have to look after others. If you're here today and you're single, I want to encourage you, embrace the season of being single. I remember... When I was single, there was different seasons in singlehood that I found. There were seasons where I really loved being single and traveling and just me and God. There was other seasons where all my friends were getting married and I was just over it. And you heard me say that a few weeks ago. And I was just like, oh, I'm a groomsman again. You know, seventh time groomsman. How many cheap suits do I need in my cupboard? got to a place where I said I retire from being a groomsman unless it's family and then what I decided to get married and so I had to be his groomsman (laughs) which by the way was a real joy (laughs) it actually was is he in the room (laughs) he's not in the room I actually it was a joy he's my brother-in-law and um it genuinely was. If you listen to this one, I love you. I really did enjoy being your groomsman. 
<laughs> so if you're in the church right now and you're wanting to get married and you're thinking, I want to ask Bernard to be my groomsman, the answer is no. <clears throat> I genuinely would say no to you. I'm happy to do something else at your wedding. Um, the only person I'll be a groomsman for now is my brother. Um, and I don't know if he'll get married, but yeah, it is at some point. He's the only one left. So I know what it's like when you're lonely to be there standing in a wedding wondering, what's wrong with me? When is my time? Wondering sometimes, I've got better attributes than that person getting married. Why are they getting married and not me? <laughs> Can I hear an amen from anybody? I mean, if you've, if you've, I don't know. I, these things happen. <laughs> no, it's always, a, it's always an honour to be part of those things. And also, when I was single, I had seasons, and all on that, and, and then you have all the Valentine's Day, and Valentine's Day is the worst. And you just don't go on social media in those days. You just think, I don't care about your love for each other. Just go away. Just, <laughs> we know you've you married each other. That's enough. Just shush, you know. But now I'm the guy that puts things up on social media. But I always put an extra in the bottom. If you're single, God's got you. It's all good. Like, just relax. I just, God still loves you. Because so, I know what it's like. And, um, but I also had seasons, again, and I would go between these seasons where I was like, oh, I just love being single. I just love focusing on me and God. And I had a dog, me and God, and my dog at home. This is a great life. I remember it was three weeks exactly out from me and Charlotte starting to date. And I was sitting there on the couch and I just had this sense of your single days are coming to an end. And there was a sense of joy and there's also a sense of sadness because it was like there was an end of a season I was currently enjoying, but there was also a new season that was about to open. And it was a sense of enjoy the last few weeks as a single because it's about to change. And three weeks later, literally, I took Charlotte out on our first date didn't like each other much, but we went out on a date. And um, do you want to hear about our dating story for a second? Okay. Now, we did like each other as friends. Let me just make this very clear. We had a high respect for each other. And being in a pastoral role in a church, it's always a little bit tough to date someone in the church. And so I ended up, I was, found myself every now and then, like, I didn't text anybody, I, no girls. Any, I, just, I was a youth pastor for many years I tried hard. I wasn't perfect, but I tried hard just to set a good example with that stuff. And I just, I remember I found myself texting this girl and I was just like, oh, Charlotte, like she's my, she was in my sister's class at school. Um, therefore, she was one of my sister's annoying little friends. And so that's how I kind of, you know, back in my head kind of thought about her. Started texting this girl and um, basically... I just, one day, Nat said to me, you had a game of golf, and he said to me, have you ever thought about Charlotte and I, in terms of dating? And I said, oh, actually, I, I have thought about that. Just recently, I just had that thought. Come around before youth really quickly. Uh, she popped around, we're at the front of our house, accountability, we're at the front of my house, on the down, and I said to her, you know, hey, do you want to go on and get a coffee? I said, if it doesn't work, it's all good. Let's just be respectful. Because we had a high respect for each other. I respected who she was in God. And I didn't have that emotional butterflies. Oh my goodness, I'm so nervous. I didn't have that. I respected her and that was enough for me to knock on the door. Went out, went out for dinner. Um, she, we, I nearly cancelled the night before, as did she. Ange talked her into still going on the, the coffee or the dinner. And, I, and my dad, I called him, I said, I'm cancelling. He said, just do it. Stop being a wuss, just do it. Okay, I'll do it. Look at it, you know. Let's see what happens. Went on a date. It was fine. Next week, I said, hey, that was fun. You want to do it again? Still no emotion. Went out a second time, and we sat there in Outback Steakhouse in Shell Harbour or whatever it was, Ferry Meadow. And I'm not joking. This set sounds so unromantic. We sat there for, I'd say, three and a half, four hours and grilled each other with questions. I asked her about... Anything. I, I was so tired at the time about fussing around. I thought, if I'm going to do this, I want to know this girl's quality. 
So I just asked her, we spoke about everything from how do you see God? How do you see the church? How do you handle conflict? Have you ever been offended? How do you deal with that? How do you see, how many kids do you want? How do you see discipline? We went through the most unromantic discussion and then she did the same thing back to me to the point where when we finished, the whole restaurant was closed. The staff were having drinks together waiting for us to leave. That's when I knew I wanted something special. I thought if she could hold my attention for three hours, something is happening here. And I just, so I said to her, hey, next, I said, do you want to do it again? You know, she passed, passed my test, basically, vice versa. And it wasn't until the third date that we went out on a date together and something changed in me. Emotion changed in me. That nerve, the nerves came. All that type of stuff started to happen. I held her hand. We went and watched a movie together. I know. And from that moment on, we were officially dating. Now, that is a very unique story, maybe, but I was attracted to Charlotte because she was a woman of God. Yes, physically I was attracted. We got on. She had a sense of humor I enjoyed. She could make me laugh, which is very rare. All those things. And I basically just thought I could see myself with a girl because she loves Jesus more than me. You see, a great, a great key for singles here, don't base everything on, am I attractive physically? Do our, does our personality mix? Those things are important, but they're not the most important. You know that, in, 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 you'll understand something, that there's a, a statistic is this, 50% of couples end in divorce, but 50% of Christian couples end in divorce as well. Yeah, so you have to make sure that you start with a good foundation. And basically, for me, Charlotte was somebody who, when she talked about Jesus, she inspired me. She caused me to want to go further in God. Please hear this, anyone who's single here. The most important thing to look for, the most important. Anyone else says otherwise, they don't know what they're talking about. Listen to me. Do they love Jesus more than you? Girls, does the guy love Jesus more than you? Because he's going to lead your family. He sets the spiritual tone for your family. And if you're trying to make him do his quiet time, you're in trouble. Because you end up discipling him. You see, marriage isn't about that. Marriage is about two people who love Jesus coming together and through that becoming better together. Being single can be one of the best seasons of your life. Learn to enjoy the season you're in instead of constantly chasing what is next. Isaiah 54 verse 5 says this, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For your maker is your husband. Now that sounds kind of strange, but take the spirit of it. Put Jesus first. Again, I'm going to speak to the singles here. Your partner is not going to complete you. It is not two half hearts make a whole heart. (laughs) It's two whole hearts make an even better heart. I'm going to jump ahead right now. Understand something. When you're married, marriage doesn't fix your problems. This is is what I tell our pre-marriages. Ooh, come on. This is what it is. Marriage is like this, if you can see that. It's like this big box underneath. Marriage doesn't fix your issues, it amplifies them. Any married people notice that? I've got this insecurity in my heart. Oh, my partner can help me. You get married and you're so vulnerable now with someone else, that insecurity has grown five times. I've got this issue in my heart. My marriage is going to fix that. Oh, wait a second. Now it's actually not just my issue. It's somebody else's. It has been amplified. Therefore, my wisdom for us, and today is a very practical message, is make sure you deal with your issues now as a single because if you don't, they will be amplified in your marriage. Your husband or wife is not your redeemer. Your spouse is not your saviour. Yes, God can use your spouse to bring healing, 
but it can't be your be-all, end-all. Now, let's just talk positively about that amplification. Your spouse, if it's the right person, will amplify the good in you. Will amplify the God in you. Charlotte makes me better. She makes me want to chase God more. She makes me want to spend more time in prayer. Makes me want to be more loving, more forgiving, more gracious, more kind. The fruits of the Spirit flow more out of my life because I'm partnered with somebody else who amplifies the good. Not just the bad. So work really hard at healing, seeing God heal your heart before you get married. Is that okay? Marriage is an amplifier. Now, just to, just to, this is so cool. Singles, again, when you get married, you must make sure that the person you're getting married to has a similar call to you. Jesus spoke about, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay, if you're with someone who's an unbeliever and you're single and you're dating, jump out of that boat very quickly. You're not going to save them. Forget it. Find someone better. Because you can't go the same direction as somebody who isn't going the same direction as you. I'm doing this because it talks about yoke, and that's two cows in a field with a yoke over their shoulders. If one cow is going this way, one is going that way, who knows that it's going to be constant conflict. Find somebody who can make you go towards the direction of your life that God has. Can I hear an amen from the married people? Because you find this. I needed to find someone, or God actually found it for me, somebody who went out of their way to chase after things of God. Therefore, now where I go forward, she goes forward with me. Now, for some people here, you think that's really basic, but you'd be amazed how many times people forget this. If you don't agree, read your Bible. It's very, very, very clear. Choose to love God with all your heart, while your responsibility is only for yourself. Now, understand something. Being single does not disqualify you. Oh, this is a good one. This is a big one. Listen to it, please. I've got to wait for my spouse before I can enter into my God destiny. Rubbish. You can be just as effective as a single with the power of the Holy Spirit as you can with a spouse. Having a spouse is powerful. Having a spouse is great. It's good to have someone on your team. But understand something. Don't wait because you feel like everyone else is married. I can only be on the stage preaching if I'm married. I can only be a pastor if I'm married. I can only be a leader if I'm married. What? That's not actually correct. You see, God knows where you're at. And his Holy Spirit doesn't pick and choose based on whether you're married or not. Decide to become the best you you can be as a single, remembering that two halves don't make a whole. Focus on healing, knowing that marriage doesn't fix issues, it amplifies issues. What should I look for in a spouse? Here is the key. Look for someone who loves Jesus more than you. Oh, Benai, that's hard to find. I'm living in a dry and barren land. Hey, some of the singles will say amen here. There's no doubt about that. But I, what you're speaking about is, oh, you know, that's great, but it's trust God. Do, you, do, we, do we trust that God has our best at heart? Do we trust that God is going to look after us? Do we trust that God will fulfill our needs? I was a 30-year-old man with no prospects. Now, people would say, what about this person? What about that person? What about this? And I'd know in my heart it wasn't right. Great people, but it wasn't right for me. But God knew at the right moment that my eyes would be open to Charlotte. So therefore, but you know, before that, I went on three dates. I had a friend, they said to me, because I hadn't dated much in my life. They said, but I want you to go on three dates. I went, okay, sounds good. They said, I challenge you to go on three different dates. So that's what I did. I went on three dates, not here, out of the area, mostly from Hillsong. And I went, on, I went on a coffee date with one girl. I went on 
um, a coffee date with a second girl, Gloria Jeans, and I went on a third date to the state of origin, spent a lot of money, I've got no idea what I was thinking, for a first date. <laughs> the girl told me off in the car on the way to the origin about something that didn't really make sense to me. And I thought, I'm spending a lot of money right now and I'm taking a big risk. Let's just stick with the coffees, hey? <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't continue those dates, but what happened was it actually built a really healthy, a really healthy self-esteem in me. I realised that I am okay with, I can get on with girls when it comes to that. I, I, I am a bit of a catch. I, I might not be the, I mean, I, I know I'm not like, you know, an odontist, but I know that my, my humour, is that a Greek god? I don't know. Adonis, Adonis. <laughs> An Adonis, I don't even know what that is. All right, all right. A dentist, yeah. Okay. But you know what I learned? I, I learned, I learned, I learned. I've got to move on, I'm running out of time. I, I learned that being kind just goes a long way with quality, quality girls. Being kind. Gen guys, if you want a tip, just be kind. Secondly, just have a bit of humour. Don't be so serious. Be yourself. If they don't like your humour, that's okay. They've got to live with you if you're going to marry them, so they should like your humour. Just one more dating key. Guys and girls, listen. If you want to be successful in a date, don't talk about yourself much. Talk about the other person. If you both do that, you're both going to walk away going, that was really good. People sit there and they talk and talk about themselves. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Don't do it. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is this. Dating is okay. Dating is healthy. I grew up reading books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I don't know if you remember that book. Any old school people here? Now, yeah, maybe not. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't actually, I, I think this. I think don't go and date everybody. In your season, when you know it's your season for dating, do it, but do it healthily and respectfully. Do it so that when you finish your date, if you both go separate ways, you both are better off. So no kissy-kissy, no touchy-touchy, none of that stuff. Just have a conversation. Okay, I'm trying to be practical. I know this is a big deal for some people in church. Is this appropriate? Yes, it is. It applies to people's lives. Okay, one last key. I'm behind time. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now here's a huge key. Someone shared this with me back when I was single. It completely changed the way I view things. It was when Adam was rested in God that God brought along the right girl. It was when Adam was rested that God said, okay, I'm going to bring on the rib that was missing. It's when you're resting in God, singles, that God can open up doors to you. And listen, if you can do it for me, you can do it for anybody. And I say that with all my heart. It's when we're rested that God brings on the right person. All right, is that good, singles? There's something for you? Okay, married people, let's talk to you for a second. There is an anointing for healthy marriage. There is an, an anointing for people to be successful in marriage. Who cares about statistics? God wants us to be successful in marriage. It's his plan and there's a grace for it. But we have to understand that God actually has to be the center for us in our marriage for it to be successful. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says this. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down... One can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? I love this scripture because it talks about warmth. <laughs> Here's a question I have for you, for all the marrieds here. Does your spouse stir the fire of God in you or douse it? Does your spouse stir up the fire of God in you or stop it. 
It says here, and we use this analogy, when two are together, they create warmth. But one alone is hard to do. A successful marriage is a marriage where Jesus is the centre, and rightfully so. Can I encourage all the marriage, marriage, married people here, and again, I'm speaking out of my lesson and what I've watched in church my whole life, make it normal to pray together. Make it normal as a couple, when things go wrong, to stop and say, let's just pray about that together. Hold hands, pray together. There's a reason at the end of the service that we do that. We take a moment and I say, if you're here with your spouse, hold their hand. Because in that moment, there is an anointing, a corporate anointing upon a couple before God. If you're um, engaged here, and we've got one engaged couple over here, it's good for you to pray together. It's good for you to put Jesus at the center and create a normal with him in your life. Make him your foundation. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, able to present himself to her as a radiant church, or her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, yeah, is it right? For this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. How cool is that? So we have to put Christ as the centre and we have to, husbands, we have to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, we have to respect our husbands. We have this thing up here and it's actually meant to represent grass and I've got this watering can and I can't water it today because it's plastic. But basically, we have this thing where we look at other people's marriages, we look at other situations and we think that their grass is greener. But I want to put to you this morning that the grass is greenest where you water it. The grass is greenest where you water it. When you put the time in, when you put the effort in, when you water and take time to water and take time to water, it creates health, it creates breakthrough, and it creates a God edge in your marriage. The grass isn't greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it. Here's some quick things when it comes to, in the last six minutes we have, when it comes to creating a healthy marriage. Number one, be Christ-centered. Love Jesus with all your heart. Go home and pray together. On the way in this morning, Charlie and I took time to pray together in the car. It isn't just blaring music. It isn't listening to the radio. It isn't any of that. It's us taking time in the moment to actually together, corporately, we understand there is power in agreement, there's power in unity, and there's power in our marriage because we're graced and anointed that we pray together. By doing so, we put Christ at the centre and he then becomes the glue or the strength inside our marriage. The second thing is this, be selfless. Know that we are better together. The greatest key to successful marriages, and it's so important, is to make sure that we come back to being selfless people. Men, when was the last time you opened the door for your wife? When was the last time you brought her flowers? Not because it was her birthday or because it's Valentine's Day, but because, because. Women, when was the last time? Women, wives, when was the last time you made extra effort for your husband? When was the last time you praised him, made him feel like he was a success? When was the last time you honoured him with your words? You see, it's so easy when we're living together to be so familiar. We see each other's dirty underpants. <laughs> <coughs> And I speak about that, not just physically, but metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it's like. It's one thing, listen, listen, and the married people know this. When you're dating people dating, listen, you see all the best. You see everything that's great. It's like a walking, talking Instagram account. It's just all the highlights. 
you speak to a couple who's been married for a month, they'll say, oh, um, yeah, my partner, uh, my wife, my husband, um, they snore, um, they leave their dirty socks around the house, um, they, you know, grind their teeth when they're sleeping, they, uh, whatever it might be. But when we're married, we have to be careful that we keep the romance alive. The third thing is this, be encouraging. It says here, and I love this, Jesus talks about in that scripture we just read about how he washes the bride of Christ with the word. It's a great analogy for us about how husbands should love their wife as Christ loved the church, therefore we should wash our wives with the word. Are your words today, men, are they washing your wives? Are they causing her to be better? Are your words causing her to be alive and flourishing? When you use your words after a tough day at work and you're tired and the kids are screaming, are you still watering the grass of your marriage? Because you've got to understand, as men, we have a responsibility to set a tone with our words. Understand that when we speak life, and no one here is perfect, I'm not perfect at this, but I try my hardest that I'll try and speak life over Charlotte. I'll try and encourage her. I'll try and make her feel like she can take on the world. I'll remind her of who she is in God. And all the wives said, amen. Amen. Because that's what God has graced us to be. The fourth thing is this, be intentional. Understand that what you reap comes from what you sow. Don't neglect your garden. Keep it fresh. Dating never stops. Dating never stops. I'm so busy, Benaya. We're all busy. We all have the same amount of time a day. It's what you prioritize. I encourage you, prioritize a date every once in a while. Prioritize a coffee for you and your spouse every once in a while. Understand that when you take out your spouse on that special date, which you haven't done for six months because you've been so busy and life's been so crazy, that you actually are watering the garden of your marriage. You are keeping that love alive because they ought to understand something. It's one thing to love your spouse. It's another thing to like your spouse. Love is commitment. Love is, I make a decision. Love is not always going to be butterflies. But you have to understand that when you date your spouse and keep dating your spouse, you create room to like your spouse. Because there's many couples out there today who love each other but don't like each other. Husbands, are you stoked to come home to see your spouse? Wives, are you happy when you hear the car drive in the driveway? (coughs) By doing so, by being intentional... We actually reap what we sow. Is this okay today? The fifth thing is this. Be lovers. Understand that sex isn't a weapon, it's a gift. I encourage every couple here who's married to have more sex. Sex isn't just for your honeymoon. Sex is for your marriage. Sex is a thing that God has created to cause you to come back to what matters, come back to intimacy, come back to loving each other. I know there's some younger people here. Listen, understand something. Sex is blessed inside of boundaries. Inside of godly boundaries is where there is blessing. I want to encourage every marriage, and this is a big deal for our church. We haven't spoken about sex for how many years? 30-something years. Apart from Pastor Joel last week spoke about it. But you know what? Listen, let me just, let me just mature us. If it pertains to everybody, we should talk about it. Yeah? You know that sex is actually not a dirty word. We have to, we have to take back what the, what the world has made impure and put it back in its rightful place, which is actually God's intention, God's blessing, God's goodness, God's gift to us, and understand that inside of godly boundary, there is blessing. Can I hear an amen? 
it takes courage for me to actually bring it up. So listen to the spirit behind what I'm saying. Why? Because we have to understand that one of the greatest things that will cause you and your partner, your husband, your wife, to actually come back to intimacy will be your sex life. Therefore, the enemy will always try and fight and destroy that part of your life. Don't let it die. Water it. Water it. Water that part of your life. Singles, when you're here, listen, guard purity. Don't look at things online. Don't get caught up in all the stuff the world's doing. I, I love the fact that Charlie and I, we waited for each other. We, my greatest gift to Charlotte was actually my virginity and vice versa. That's something that I, only she can have now, not 10 other people. So listen, if you're here, guard it. I don't care how charming the other person is. They are not worth you giving away that before marriage. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> I'm a little bit over, but that's okay. Here we go. Whenever we, last thing on this, whenever we join together as one, we are actually reaffirming the covenant before God that he has established. You are reaffirmed. Now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I've given that away, I've given my virginity away and I wasn't married, I believe God can actually do some restoration work in your heart. I believe that you can still get married to the right person and it can be blessed. It just makes it a lot harder and there's a journey in that, but it can happen. In a few weeks' time, we have Paul McGee speaking for us. Now, Paul McGee is from Hillsong, uh, but he's Jenny Mitchell's husband, if you know Jen. Paul stole Jen away from us, um, so make sure you tell him that when he's here. I tell him every time I see him, I'm on a journey of forgiveness. But he he actually is speaking for us, and the topic I've given him is he's actually a theologian. The topic I've given him is actually the topic of healthy sexuality, according to the scripture. How good is that? I told him, he went, I said, I've got your topic. He said, what is it? I said, healthy sexuality. And he went, okay, yep, yep, okay. <laughs> uh, that's for taking Jen away. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, I'm going over time, but very quickly. The sixth thing is this. I only have eight. The sixth thing is this. If you want a healthy marriage, and by the way, I say this really up front. I'm still growing in my marriage. This is just what I've learned so far, and I've learned from other people. Number six is this. Be secure in your place. Know your place in your marriage. You know there's a different grace for a man inside of a marriage than it is for the, the wife? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, honor your husbands. Men, you have grace to boldly lead your family in the things of God. Your grace to help each family member find and flourish in their purpose, as Christ does with the church. Always compare your marriage to Christ and the church. This is why for singles, find the guy who can lead you spiritually. If you can't do it, because what happens is this, and, and it happens so often in church, I watch it all my life. The wife will step up and take the role of leading the family spiritually. And there is still blessing in that. There's still great blessing in that. But God's intention, firstly, was that the man would lead the wife. The man would set a level spiritually for the family. Men, we need to be men and lead our families in the things of God. That should get a bigger amen than that because I'm telling you, that's why Band of Brothers next, next month we're talking about, I'm going to speak to our men about what are our core values as men. We're a brotherhood. This is what we do. This is who we are. And I just think that the, the ladies here, they, you can see it, you see it in their eyes. And you see it when you speak to them or you speak about this subject. They long for men to stand up. They long for men to stand up and take their place. Men, it's time for us to get a backbone and stand and set the example for our families. 
most wives will love that because that's actually what releases them to then do what they do well, which is to be a ministry, to be a support, to be someone who adds. Charlie and I do this well, I think. I think we do it well. She supports me, but she also has her own ministry. But together, we're better together. Men, I want to encourage you. You are grace to lead your families. Set the spiritual bar. Number seven is this. If you want to have a great marriage, be quick to forgive. Be so good at forgiving. Be a master of forgiveness. Remember that you're on the same team. You're on the same team. You're not enemies. You're not fighting each other. You're not on the opposite sides of the field. You're on the same team. Be teammates. Be great at forgiveness. All the married people here, they will tell you that your husband or wife, they will hurt you at some point. They will let you down at some point. It's part of life. But let's be quick to forgive. Quick to cover. Love covers a multitude of sin. And number eight, and this is the important one. Well, they're all important. This is the last one. Have a vision for your marriage. Who do you want to be as a couple? You know, the most common thing Charlie and I talk about for the past four and a half years has been this. Who do we want to be as a couple? What is it that God has for us as a couple? We are often tested on this, always. We'll go to a dinner party. We went to a party with some people outside the area a while ago. And we sat there and the, the conversation turned a little bit negative. The other couple who we love were there, but they were a bit negative about some people. And we sat there thinking, nah, this isn't us. And we got in the car afterwards and we said, we are not that couple. That is not who we are. We want to be a couple that always causes people to be better whether they're present or not present. It's just a way to actually come back and go, who are we in God? Let me finish with this story, and then I actually want to finish today by praying with couples who want prayer, in particular about anything I've said, but also about having a vision for your marriage. You see, a vision can start before you're married. It can start when you just got married, or it can be reestablished when you've been married for 30 years. Vision is something we have to keep ahead of us. It says in Proverbs 29, it says that without vision, the people perish. I want to change that. Without vision, the marriage perishes. If you don't have a vision for your marriage. So here's my last story before we finish. Charlie and I were on our honeymoon and um, we were sitting there on the last day of our honeymoon and we had the, the privilege, we went to Rome for our honeymoon, which is, the blessing of God, and we sat there in this park, which we just randomly came across, on this park bench, and it was overlooking the city of Rome. And we just had this God conversation. It wasn't planned. It just happened. And we started talking about who is it that God has called the holidays to be? We're talking four weeks into our marriage. Who is it that God has graced us to be? I've got the notes here. Can I tell you? This is from four and a half years ago. We wrote it down. And you, and you told me if this is who we are today. Number one, we wanted to be Christ-centered, presence-carrying and word-honoring. That's what we wanted to be. We're like, that's who we want to be, Christ-centered as a couple. Number two, we wanted to be joyful. We wanted to be a couple that has joy in our marriage, a couple that actually creates joy in other people. Number three, we wanted to be generous. We wanted to be a couple who was generous with our time, with our word, with our finance. Number four, we wanted to be refreshing to others. We wanted to be encouragers. That's, what, that's how we started. That's who we are now. We're just going to keep trying to be that. Number five, we wanted to be intentional kingdom builders in God's kingdom, in his church, in his, with his people, and also in leaders. We then chatted about what is the grace we carry as a couple. And this thing has all grown and we've added a few things to it now, but Back then it was, we believe we had a grace for leadership, an apostolic grace to help others. We believe there was a grace on us when it came to finance and creating resources for others. There was a grace on us when it came to creativity and entrepreneurship, pioneering both inside the church and inside business. The fourth thing is that we felt like we had a grace on us for the prophetic, a discernment. And the last thing we feel like there's a grace in us to be encouragers. 
So we started with this bit of paper saying, God, this is who we feel like you've called us to be. And without exception for four and a half years now, this is what we come back to. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. It doesn't, doesn't matter how crazy life is or what people say to me or what people speak over us in our marriage. We could care less. What matters is this. We want to be people who come back to who we're called to be. For a marriage without vision, <coughs> excuse me, a marriage without vision is a marriage that starts to fall apart. So in conclusion today, I want to ask you this question. How's your vision going for your marriage? Listen, your vision shouldn't be just to pay bills. Your vision shouldn't just be to go work and go on a holiday once a year. Those things are important. Your vision is a kingdom vision. It's a vision that says, what has God graced us to bring as a couple to the earth? Charlie, come up here. You see, by myself, and this is the last thing I'll say on this, by myself, I carry an anointing and a grace. But with, with Charlotte, before God, he sees us. We're one in flesh. Therefore, he sees us as an anointed couple together in the earth. My graces are amplified. Her graces are amplified. But we therefore have to be clear about where we're going as a couple. This morning, when it comes to you, are you clear in your marriage about where you're going? Because the challenge is this. I get into survival mode. I just want to get through the day. I just want to get through my marriage. I just want to get through my week. That is the minimum. God has called us to thrive and to go forward with a clear vision given and ordained by the Holy Spirit. Why don't we all stand to our feet? <laughs> now, I know this morning that I've touched on two groups of people, but I also know there's other groups. There's, there's groups that were married and not married now. There's groups for different reasons. You might, be, you might feel called to celibacy here. That's a, a legitimate grace. There's all different other groups. So don't just think, oh, it didn't pertain to me. No, no. Today I'm just really focusing on these two areas. Doing singlehood well and doing marriage well. We are passionate. And hear this from our heart. We are passionate about seeing you thrive in your marriage. Can I hear an amen? Listen, some pastors don't care. They say they do, but they really don't. Some pastors don't give any attention to it. We're doing this whole series because we want to encourage our church people to be the healthiest they can be. Because we're not just, we're not fake people. We're we're real people with real issues. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have real breakthrough. So our heart for you is love. Our heart for you as a a couple, our heart for you is that you would be the most healthy, married or single on the face of the earth. And listen, if you're having trouble in your marriage, get help. Get help. If you're having trouble in your singlehood, get help. There's plenty of resources out there to help you. Speak to one of our pastoral team. They can let you know about that. Does that sound good? We're a bit over time today. But what we want to do, we want to finish with two things. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Thank you, Father God. You know, every week as a church, we actually give people an opportunity to respond to the love of God. And in this moment, we just want to take an opportunity and just say that God loves you, that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And maybe you've been close to God and you've walked away, or maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus to give him your life. As everyone has their eyes closed, I just want to encourage you, if you know that your heart isn't close to God, but you want to make sure that your heart is, I just want you to put your hand up where you are in this place and say, Beniah, I want to come back to God. I want to give my heart to God afresh in this place. Anybody in this place? You want to make sure your heart is right with Christ. It's the best decision you'll ever make. The best you'll ever make. Let's pray this prayer of commitment together and join with those who had their hand up. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today, 
I ask in Jesus' name that you would forgive me of all my sin. Give me a new start. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose again. And today I declare that you are my Lord and Saviour and Holy Spirit come into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Beautiful. Father, I thank you for that. We thank you for people who have responded today. Lord, that your anointing be upon them, that your presence and favour be upon them. In Jesus' powerful name. The second group of people that we want to pray for, we're going to shut the meeting, but we're going to have the altar open. We want to pray for any married couples here. Maybe one of those things have really spoke to your heart. Or maybe you've had a vision for your marriage and you've kind of forgotten it. Or maybe you've never had a vision for your marriage. I believe there's a grace here today just for God to come and to encounter you in a really fresh and powerful way. And our team would love to pray with you and just believe that God would meet you in Jesus' name. Does that sound good? Does that sound good, church? Just so you know, as a church, we're going to start praying more and more ministry-wise. Let's bring the supernatural back. Let's bring the supernatural back. Hey, put the hand on the person next to you. If you have a spouse, hold the hand of your spouse. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, God. Father God, we thank you for our incredible church family. And and this morning, Holy Spirit, we just send them out with your grace, with your protection and with your love. Father, I thank you for what you're doing inside of our church and inside of every single person here. And we just pray that we would flourish um, where we're at, God, in the season that we're at, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're dating, engaged, whatever it is, God, you know, and your heart for us is to see us flourish. So we send our church family out this week to flourish, to flourish in their and to water well what you've given us, God, to be faithful with what you've given us in our hand in the season that we're in. And God, we thank you that you want to move. You want to move more than what we give you credit for, God, that you want to come and set our hearts on fire and to see revival in our city and in our families and in our workplaces, God. I pray that you start to stir us up afresh in that, God. We just send out our church family with that. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.